everybody, and welcome to the Family Life Canada podcast. It's Neil and Cheryl Josephson again. And uh, just to remind you, we lead Family Life Canada. And Family Life Canada is all about bringing help and hope to the marriages and families of this country. We work with 40 staff across the country. We're building this tidal wave of volunteers we call home builders. And if you want to know more about it, check out familylifecanada.com. The other thing we do is we try to connect with great people in Canada. Mm -hmm. And our guests uh, today certainly fall into that category, like-minded people who also care about marriages and families. Daniel and Christina Im have recently returned to Canada from Nashville. Daniel's the senior pastor of Beulah Alliance Church in Edmonton, the author of several books. Uh, Christina is a former social worker, but now the homeschool principal and teacher and sole employee of the Imagination school which uh is the homeschool they do for their three children so great to see your faces unfortunately in the podcast we can't share your faces but we can see you while we're talking yeah. um, but thanks for joining us you guys yeah we're glad to be with you guys. Oh, thank you yeah. so much it's such a joy to always spend time together the same way hey uh we again we love what you do uh check out the in between podcast i mean we'll talk about this stuff at the end but Daniel and Christina, beyond what you're going to enjoy in this podcast, they have many other things you should check out. So we'll talk about that at the end. We love what you're doing. Uh, before we jump into more conversation, would you tell us and tell everybody who's listening, how'd you guys meet? I always love this story. That's a good story. How'd you guys meet? <laughs> All right. Well, we'll try to keep it short. Yeah, that's going to be the whole uh, podcast episode right there. Yeah. Uh, for me, born and raised in Vancouver, Christina from Toronto and Ottawa, and we basically met during university mm -hmm. uh, through what is now called Power to Change. Uh, it was Campus Crusade for Christ back when we met, and it was on a summer trip overseas to East Asia. Yes. And uh, the really interesting part about this story was I was set out to, to go on this uh, six-week missions trip with the thought that I am no longer dating. I had broken up six months before with a really good friend. And so like, no, this has nothing to, because you know, those like missionary, you meet your spouse. I was totally against that. Uh, we were support raising for this six-week uh, missions trip. And so I met with different couples, shared the vision, asked for prayer support, and if they wanted to financially help, that would be wonderful. Three different couples came up to me, two that I knew really well, one being a pastor and his wife, another being uh, my discipler and her husband, and then this random couple that came up to me on Valentine's Day. And they all said, we are going to be praying for you because God has told us that you are meeting your future spouse on this Ooh. mission trip. And it's, and it's not like this happened all the time or anything. No, you, never. Right? Yeah, That's so. never <laughs> happened to me before. So. so I was just gobsmacked. I'm like, are you kidding me? So I remember thinking, okay, thank you very much. I'm just going to pray about this and kind of leave mm -hmm. it to the wayside. Mm -hmm. The first day we get there to Vancouver and we're all meeting each other and I'm looking around. I mean, like, no, not you. You're not cute enough. No way. <laughs> so after that first day, I thought, you know what? That all those prophecies were just completely yeah, yeah. wrong. And, and just to be clear, I was there on the first day. So, so yeah. I was ask <laughs> yes, yes. So long story short, God completely worked in my heart in those six weeks. And after that missions trip, we had the DTR, as they called it before, the define the relationship. Mm -hmm. And we decided to continue to pursue getting to know one another. Yeah. So yeah. a year after we were engaged and then a year after that, we were married. Yeah. I don't and think we've ever we... said it that short. So <laughs> there, oh, there is like, oh my goodness, there are so many different facets to that yes. story, yeah. but we'll save it for another time. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and how long have you been married now? Uh, this year, 15 years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, known each other for 17. Uh, yeah, 15. And we have three kids, uh, almost 12, uh, 10 and a half, and seven years old. Two girls and a boy. Oh my goodness. Yeah. You guys have your hands full these days. For all sure. students, all students at the imagination again. <laughs> yes. yes. That's, That's right. right. <laughs> yes. So, Honorable. and it's been really, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Principles list. <laughs> High fives and gold great. stars to everybody. A few things in common with you guys. First of all, we, we love Jesus. We love coffee also in that order. Same as you. Um, yeah. 
And we also love the Enneagram. And we've had this conversation with you guys before. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Cheryl loves the Enneagram. I love the Enneagram. <laughs> Neil is a, apparently, Neil's a seven. And apparently one of the, the hallmarks of a seven is that they don't actually believe in things like the Enneagram. Yeah. <laughs> it's killjoy, right? Yeah. So, well, especially if wherever wing that you kind of go to, if it's a right. uh, seven wing eight, even more so. So, yeah. <laughs> And you guys are just remind me again your your enneagram numbers. Well, yeah. the The interesting thing about the enneagram is of like we've done a ton of different assessments, um, and Christina is well versed in the enneagram. I'm a coach with Gallup on the Strengths Finder side of things, and in everything that we've done, like we are opposites, completely different profiles. But for the Enneagram, for some reason, we're both threes. Mm -hmm. So that honestly, in our marriage, unlocked another level for us in understanding mm -hmm. one another and in working with one another. Um, so yeah, that that was a that was a really newfound realization. Very for us. much so, and I think in our parenting as well, yeah, it really right. we're both threes, mm. and so one of the uh, characteristics of being an Enneagram three is you're a little bit stunted in your emotional language and your and <laughs> your feelings. Once we realize that then looking towards how we're parenting our kids and parenting because both of us are threes in that stunted way, we were really convicted to be able to learn how to grow in that and how to share with our kids our emotions, but also allowing them to have their emotions and to express them as well. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's why these tools are helpful. Yeah. Whether you, it's the Enneagram or Strength Finders or whatever, mm -hmm. I think they're helpful in understanding how you operate and then actually actually being able to kind of understand each other a little bit better. So I'm glad you use it as a tool, not just for your own self-growth, but in, in marriage and in relationships and in parenting. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, well, let's, let's hitchhike there. I, I want to get to this question. Um, so you've taken this wisdom and it strengthened your marriage, your parenting, your family. Um, as you look at other people's families, what's, what's the greatest need? Is, is it understanding each other better? Is it coming to understand yourself better? You guys see a lot of couples. You teach mm -hmm. a lot. Wide open question. What do you see from your through your window as the greatest needs with the families and people you know? I think within the church, one of the things that we are always reminding ourselves and also uh, talking to others on our podcast as well is the fact uh, also that it is a spiritual battle. It's There's so much going on in our world, in even our own backyard, that we are sort of pegged against each other. There's a lot of dissension, a lot of division going on in so many different ways. And so, especially in the, in the family-wise, uh, when we were getting married, our mentors were telling us this one thing was, you know what? put down your weapons and pick up your shields. And they were talking about how it's so easy to fight against each other, thinking that each other is the enemy because you're not agreeing with me, you're not listening to me, you're not so on and so forth, and realizing actually, hey, you're not the enemy. We do have a real enemy out there, and he wants to divide and conquer and destroy. And so what we need to do is really to live on our knees and to pray and to put on on the armor of God and just realize that uh, you are not my enemy. Our kids are not the enemy. There is a real enemy and he wants to destroy us. So how can we stand against that together? Yeah. yeah what, what I love about that imagery, I mean, every day we pray the armor of God on mm -hmm. ourselves and, and for our children. And, and what's interesting about the armor of God, I actually had this, um, Christina, I didn't share this with you, but on the weekend when I was praying with one of our team members, the image that came to my mind uh, was that uh, this person was actually not, like their shield was too small. And they were using the other parts of the armor of God um, to defend themselves. And sometimes, I mean, you think about it, like you get an arrow to the head. Yeah. You have a helmet on, uh, or you use your, you use your breastplate of righteousness. I mean, and something hits it. It's still, I mean, it still hurts. Like it hasn't gone through your armor. It still hurts, but, but that's not the intention of it. The, the intention of this shield of faith is that it's not a buckler. It's not a circular, small little shield. It's something that you should be able to completely hide 
behind. And what I love about the image of a husband and a wife uh, picking up their shields together is they're actually, the shields are actually supposed to interlock. So mm. yes, one mm. person can hide behind it, but when the two of you interlock your shields together mm. and when you're in biblical community with others, where you can then lock your interlock your shields with others, you can actually take ground, right? You can actually move mm. forward um, and not be on in this defensive posture because yeah, you know what? This is a shield of faith. So yeah, it's it's an interesting image yeah. to to tease out. I'd oh, love that great. because I think I love the, the the image of moving forward because I think sometimes when we do talk about um, spiritual warfare and the enemy that is seeking to destroy our marriages and our homes, we get into very much a defensive pullback posture. Mm -hmm. And then we're no blessing and no help to the other people around us if we're just kind of huddled, um, huddled under our shields. No, that's rich. That's a great way to unpack that image. Thanks. So that's kind of um, underlying kind of um, base issues that every couple needs to kind yeah. of look at, particularly yeah. those who are of the Christian faith. What are some of the presenting issues that couples bring to you or parents bring to you? And, and what do you say about this? Or how do we manage this? What are those kinds of questions that you're dealing with? Um, there's a big range. I think there's a, a huge part of, especially uh, as Canadians, we were in lockdown. There was a lot of in-school, out-of-school mental health for children mm -hmm. as well as parents is a huge thing. And so how do I how do I help my child who's presenting anxiety, depression, uh, suicidal thoughts? What do we do there? And also the um, we were telling our kids, it's, it's interesting because there's one side where before we were telling her like, oh, don't have too much online time. Like don't spend too much time on social media. It's not really good for your neurological health and your uh, social health and all of these things. And then we took the ability to gather in person away. And then it was like, uh, okay, so spend lots of time on social media. Spend lots of time uh, on our kids or on messenger kids. So spend time on that to connect with your friends. So it's this ebb and flow of, okay, is this okay? Is this not okay? Having to create boundaries where there were maybe no boundaries before talking to our kids, uh, learning to equip parents with tools to be able to talk to uh, their children and even in their own marriage about uh, porn, about the effects of social media, about sex. There's all these different things that parents came to us and were like, we didn't think we needed to talk to our seven-year-old about this, but now they're on screens all the time. I didn't know we needed this net nanny or I don't know what else is out there. Can you help us? Mm -hmm. And so that was a, a big thing that we were helping our podcast family to be able to address and give them the tools to be able to do that. Yeah. I'm sure that was one. Can I just jump in? I'm sure that was one of the, the big learnings for lots of couples during the pandemic, lots mm -hmm. of parents. Um, any other learnings, any other things that you think that you have learned that you can pass on to other people through this pandemic experience? Yeah, it's, I, I, I like to think of the idea of, I mean, I grew up in Vancouver and we always grew up with this imminent threat of an earthquake, right? Because we're on a fault line and there's lots of different small earthquakes going around. And, and it's interesting because when an earthquake happens, yeah, it's surprising, uh, but it shouldn't be that surprising because you're living on a fault line. And uh, what's, what I, what's interesting about the pandemic is you know, there are a ton of marriages that had lots of different fault lines underneath the surface that, yeah, you know what, if you were, if they were to have gone to counseling or they were to have taken some time to journal and to reflect, yeah, they're, they're, they, they probably would have been able to pinpoint the fact that, yeah, our communication isn't where it should be or that issue with, you know, our in-laws. Yeah, we never really resolved it because it only really comes up once or twice a year. And there are these different issues that most couples know it is an issue, but uh, it's you've kind of just 
the busyness of life and the extracurriculars and everything else just just allows you to sweep it under the carpet. The interesting thing about the pandemic is that literally you were left with you yourself and your thoughts, right? <laughs> and 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 when the conflict started to rise because you spent more time together and a lot of these extra distractions were taken away, it was like, "Oh my goodness, like what is going on?" and and we we saw marriages thrive and some families thrive thrive through the pandemic and others that have separated and others that have gotten divorces, unfortunately, right. Mm -hmm. And families that are, that have these schisms and it's, and it's not because COVID did it to them, but COVID just revealed what was underneath the surface. So, so that's why for us, we're so passionate about, yeah, for us getting to the sense of, okay, where is your emotional and your relational health, but really your, your spiritual health underneath it too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so great. And and we join you in that cause. And for everybody listening, uh, spend some time and invest in your relationship because we all yeah. have some fault lines down there. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And, and we're all going to experience some earthquakes, right? Uh, whether mm-hmm. we know it or not, we don't know how strong they'll be. And so to, to work towards health by listening to the M's podcast or Family Life Canada is so important, people. So important that you just keep getting healthier as a couple. So carry on. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. Hey, you guys, in one of your podcasts, which I love, by the way, <laughs> you explore this um, topic, lies we believe about marriage. I thought that mm. was such a great topic. Can you recap some of those lies that we have bought into uh, in the whole area of marriage? Yeah, definitely. Uh, the, the the reason we did a couple episodes in and around that uh, is because my my latest book is called You Are What You Do and Six Other Lies About Work, Life, and Love. And it was interesting because it was written in a pre-pandemic world, um, noticing some trends that were going on in our culture and the lies that all of us have fallen into and believed in one measure or another. But when we started looking at it from the perspective of marriage, we were like, oh my goodness, like this is <laughs> like, there's, there's a lot going on underneath the surface, right? So this whole idea of uh, you are who you know, is, is one of the seven lies. And, and when you think about it from the context of marriage, man, how many people place their identity not in who God says that they are or in the fact that uh, you are known by our loving Savior Jesus, but the fact that, hey, you know what? Uh, yeah, you know what? I, my identity is in, in my spouse or my identity is in what my spouse does for work or my identity is in how our relationship is going at the moment in time. And, and you kind of place your identity in all of these external circumstances relationally too. And, and you know you've done this when you are in the pits, uh, probably more so than you should be when your relationship isn't too hot. Right. Mm. Or you're not getting the type of quality time uh, because there's so much busyness going on in life and with kids and, and, and with work and all that stuff. And you're just you're there. There's like there's something inside of you that's that's missing. Right. And you're like, OK, wait a second. Those should be alarm bells being like, what? Why? Why is this affecting me? to that extent. And part mm. of it is because perhaps it's a lie that you've placed your identity and built your life upon. Yeah. So the lie is you are who, who, you know, or who, or the quality of the relationships around you. That's yeah. a good cliffhanger. Yeah. You're going to have to buy the book to find out the rest of the lives. That's good. Though. That's great. <laughs> well, no, I mean, I can, I can keep on going if you want. <laughs> but, yeah. Fantastic. I think that's a significant lie that, that a lot of people aren't sure. aware of though, for sure. How about in terms of parenting? Because, again, you've done a podcast about that, the lives we believe about yeah. parenting. Um, Give us one of those. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's the lie that you are who you raise. And I do want to say something. Okay, sure. This. Yeah, okay, go ahead. So Daniel brought, uh, when putting his book proposal together, and he was talking about some of the lies that he was going to address. And one of them, he was telling, babe, I'm going to address the um, you are who you raise. And I looked at him, and I was like, honey, if no other publisher wants to publish this book, we will make it happen because I need you to write this book for me because that mm-hmm. is a complete lie that huh. I have first 
believed. And second of all, continue to battle, especially being a homeschool mom. So unpack it and then I'll, uh, we can talk more about it. Yeah. I mean, in a pre-pandemic world, you all you have to do is think about the last time your kid had a temper tantrum in a public place <laughs> and how you reacted in that moment. And the thing that we always do where we're looking around and saying, who else saw this <laughs> or who else heard this, right? That That's an indicator that you believe that lie. But when it came, when it comes to this last year and a half uh, for most parents, it was this sinking feeling of, Am I doing enough? Or I have no, and, and this sense of lostness of being like, I, I, I honestly, I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore. And this, this sense as a result of being like, I, so, so, and, and there's this lack of purpose, this, this lost um, sense of certainty in terms of just your regular confidence in your day in, day out. All those are symptoms uh, that you believe this lie that you are who you raise. And right. the interesting thing about that is it then seeps into um, how, you know, what our everyday looks like. I'll give you an example. Um, one of the, one of the stories that I write about in the book is, um, you know, I studied the life of Tiger Woods and I'm, I'm a golfer. I love golfing. And, and actually, if you look up Daniel M, you'll find Daniel M, me, like the pastor and the author. And then you'll also find Daniel M, the professional golfer and we're the same age. We're the same height. He's Korean American. I'm Korean Canadian. It's hilarious. Uh, I want to meet this guy one, one of these days. Play golf together. No, exactly. Exactly. Awesome. But it's interesting because I, I bring that example up uh, because I write about uh, Tiger Woods and how his dad, uh, his dad's dad had a dream for him, like for mm -hmm. Tiger's dad, uh, mm -hmm. that he would become a professional athlete. And Earl, who is Tiger's dad, never became a professional athlete. He came one step short. And it's so interesting how that was one of the drivers for how Tiger was raised and, and, and how even in their relationship, the closeness, the, 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 the sense of, okay, we are, yeah, I'm going to be fully involved in your life or I'm not going to be involved in your life either really did stem from this fact that his dad, you know, derived his identity from the fact that, uh, that, mm -hmm. Hey, my, my son is who I am. And when my son, you know, he, he accomplished all the things that I was trying to live yeah. up to. And that happened and Tiger won the Masters. Uh, we know that iconic, uh, I mo most people can imagine, can envision that iconic yeah. picture, right? Where him and his dad are just embracing. That was actually the beginning of the end of their relationship together, mm. right? Because the goal had been achieved. And now what do I look for? Now what do I find my identity in? And, and we're seeing that with the pandemic where you got, you got yeah. individuals, moms, or dads who, especially in the homeschooling world, it's like, okay, you know what? My kids are now self-sufficient or my kids mm -hmm. are now in full-time school. What do I do now? And mm -hmm. this sense of lostness of, I, 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 I don't mm -hmm. know what my identity mm -hmm. is or kids who have left the home and now you have empty nesters yeah. and it's like, okay. Yeah. And, and they're left with, uh, their relationship isn't what they thought it was, exactly. <laughs> right? Their yep. lives aren't what they thought There's it was. No so, more distractions. Yes, exactly. So it's just yeah. a, a hint that you've you've bought into this lie. So Christina, that that lie, which is really insidious, actually, and we we see the results of people who live into that, and then, like you say, the children leave and they've got nothing left. Um, how how does that? How do you? You said you you continue to battle that. How do you battle that? And why do you need to battle that as a person? For sure. So in the homeschooling world, because I am their teacher and the one who gives them marks and all of that, the lie that I constantly hear and have to battle is one, I am not enough. I am not enough as a teacher. I am not enough as a mom. I am not enough as an educator, so on and so mm -hmm. forth. And then the other part of that is it goes to you are not doing enough and your kids are falling behind. Mm -hmm. uh, I was not a homeschooler as a kid. And so I grew up in the public school, which I loved. I did really well. I had great opportunities, but that's the only standard of learning that I 
have known beforehand. And so it was, oh goodness, you are falling behind in math. You were falling behind and, and so on and so forth. And so instead of attuning to my children's needs, like, hey, they just um, found out their, their grandpa has cancer. And instead of um, really trying to take time to help them f- to grieve and to understand what all that means, I'm like, hey, you have to finish your four pages of math because you are falling behind. But are they really falling behind? Mm-hmm. No, they're not. And so it was this in this like this need of for them to succeed because then it turns around mm-hmm. and it means that I am successful. Mm-hmm. And so the way that I have learned to combat that is I need to dig deeper into the word. Mm -hmm. Like it says, man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. I have really learned in, in, uh, in our normal homeschooling routine that we usually start school about eight, eight 30. And so before that I am waking up early, having my quiet time and my coffee, uh, with God in just silence. Cause there's not a lot of silence in our house anymore. They don't leave all that often. And of just really being able to come before God and be like, who do you say I am, Lord? And what do I believe about you? And uh, that has really helped. Mm. Mm. So that's good. A, that's a good word for everybody listening to us too. Mm-hmm. Hey, another, another, let's change direction just a little bit. Uh, love you guys. You are always learning. That's why you're doing your podcast. That's why you're helping people. That's why you're writing books. What's, what's one thing you're learning recently? Hot off the press. You haven't had a chance to write a book about it yet, but what's God uh, uh, revealing to you or what are you discovering about yourself, about life? It could be anywhere. Just, uh, I always like to hear the cutting edge stuff. What's going on? Okay. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, sure. Um, Because I just preached about it yesterday. So (laughs) (laughs) it is hot off the press. Yeah. 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 It's it's hot off the press. So, uh, so power, Uh, power and authority is a an absolutely fascinating topic that uh, every single person has power, right? We all have power. And um, power is vested in your age, uh, in your ethnicity, in your gender, in your size, in I mean in in your experience, in your qualifications. and and it's so interesting how there are some people who say, you know, I have power because of, my gender, or I don't have power because of my gender, or I have power because of my age. And literally, even yesterday, it was like one elderly person being like, I don't have power because I'm too old. Hmm. Right. And others being, and what is that age? Right. And other people being like, I don't have power because I'm not old enough. So it's just this interesting thing where Jesus in Philippians 2, he talks about the fact in in verse 5 and 6, you know, adopt the same, Paul says, adopt the same attitude as that of Christ Jesus, right? And then he says, who didn't consider, you know, equality with God as something to be exploited, but he laid himself down, right? He laid himself down. He came as a human. And, and we see that Christ him in Philippians 2. And, and what I love about that is Jesus himself, who had all the power in the world, decided to lay it down to show us that there is a way to live with power, but not be consumed by it. Mm-hmm. And I believe today in our world, and, you know, talking about marriage, even talking about parents, parents have power and authority over their kids. Mm-hmm. Now, are you going to follow the way of Jesus in terms of how he, and, and what did he do with power? Uh, and literally I just preached this. So I'm, I'm, I, I'm not going to re-preach the sermon here, uh, but, but one, one, yeah, one of my points is that he, he empowered, he didn't hoard the power. He didn't hype it. He didn't hide it and he didn't hoard it. And one, he didn't hoard it. Jesus actually empowered others with the power by becoming a servant. Mm. He served others. And mm. as an individual, in, talking about parents, but also in, a, in, in your relationship, what does it look like to serve your mm. spouse and to serve your children? 
right? I mean, Jesus, and, and you just kind of zoom in on Philippians 2, verse 3 and 4, and it just it's just this beautiful word about humility and about serving one another and how, you know, it's, you know, hmm. this idea of what, what would it look like if you were to considered, consider others as more important than yourself, right? We believe that in a marriage, husband and wife are equal and they are partners and one is not more loved than the other by God. Um, you know, we all have unique roles and distinct roles, but we're equal. So what would, but what would it look like though, if I considered and I saw Christina as more important than me? Yeah. All right. I know, I know we're the same, but what if I saw her as more important than me? Right? Wouldn't I want to serve her even more? Wouldn't I want to give even more? And I think in marriages and parenting, in work, in all of life, if we if we lay down our power, <laughs> um, yeah. first we need to acknowledge it. But if we lay down our power and follow the way of our not not our overbearing King Jesus but our servant mm -hmm. King Jesus, mm -hmm. all right, who came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many, man, just imagine yeah. what the marriages are yeah. going to look like. Just imagine yeah. what homes would look like and workplaces and yeah. churches. If we served Pretty one another in that way. And Christina, we're going to ask you the same question, but just before you do, you know, Neil and I have yeah. been married 43 years. We've been doing marriage ministry for 15 um, when people ask us, and they do, as I'm sure they do you, on airplanes, in taxis, wherever we go, so what's the secret to a good marriage? And um, that's exactly what we say. Learning yeah. how to put somebody else's best interests ahead of your own. Um, yeah. Like Honestly, that is the key to a great marriage. It's just really hard to do. It's simple to say, but it takes a lifetime to figure out how to do it. And, yeah. and, you know, there's, there's a story in the scripture where uh, the rich young ruler comes and says, what do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And Jesus said, you need to sell everything. And it said he walked away because he had mm -hmm. much. When we tell people that here's the secret to marriage, you need to put your spouse first. Some of them walk away. Wow. Mm -hmm. Like they're yeah. discouraged because they don't want to humble themselves and serve mm -hmm. the other. What they really wanted us to say is, well, she should do this or he should do that. Mm -hmm. And right. they're really disappointed. Yep when we don't join them in being disappointed about their spouse. So you guys put your finger on it and everybody listening, Daniel yeah. and Christina are putting their finger on it, folks. You got to <laughs> serve the other person. Fantastic. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. So, and I, I think a lot of our podcast listeners and family know that that has not always been the case in our marriage. And by the grace of God yeah. that we continue to stick together and, and really, you know, the D word was not in our vocabulary, but there was a lot of pain and a lot of hurt that happened when we did not serve one another. Oh, when yeah. we were saying, actually, God changed his heart. Don't change mine, change his exactly. and make him do all what I want. Right. And, um, you know, we reap what we sow, right? Yeah. So we have lived both and we want to tell you, I'm sure you know already, but we want to tell you that um, this spiritual principle is there for a reason yeah. Yeah. Uh, because uh, it really is life-giving. Yes, 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 yes. So Christina, what would you say is your cutting edge? What, what are you learning right now that would be helpful to other people to hear? I don't know if it's cutting edge, but God has brought us through a desert time in terms of loss. We have lost so much, whether it be um, the life that we thought we would be living, whether it be um, the loss of a family member. So uh, Daniel's dad did pass away from um, a very brave battle with cancer a few months ago. Um, we lost our dog of 13 years. There has been so much loss in our church family. And I have never been one to enjoy grieving. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, but God has brought us through this time of grieving over and over again and um, just really learning and sitting in the fact that in the Beatitudes, right? 
blessed are those who mourn for they will Mm -hmm. be comforted. And Mm -hmm. I have brought my tears and my brokenness to God and said, you know, it's, it's too much. This feels Mm -hmm. too much. Like I literally feel like I am crawling through the quick sand of grief. Like Mm -hmm. what, what point is, am I going to break? Mm -hmm. And he has never, like he says, like he has never left us and never left us for a moment. Mm -hmm. And so in his kindness, looking back and being like, God, you were right there, right? in the timing of uh, even our dog passing away and Daniel's dad passing away and um, helping others through the grief that we experienced and being Mm -hmm. able to walk with them and give them that hope that we have and and cast that vision of the kingdom of God, right, is here but Mm -hmm. is not in full and the life that we have in him in eternity. And also just sitting with people in their grief. I used to feel very uncomfortable because I felt like uh, I have to give you all these pat answers and I have to give you all these verses and, and yes, it's okay. They're, they're in heaven and, and they're spending eternity with God and, and not really. Yes, those are all true, but also the real need to sit with people in their grief. I just think of the story of Lazarus and how Mm. Jesus knew he knew, and he has talking about power. He had, the, the power to raise Lazarus from the dead. Mm. And yet before he did that, mm. he wept. Yeah, that's true. And that story mm. has brought me so much comfort in the sense that, yes, I can bring my mm. brokenness um, before God and allow people to, mm. to show their brokenness with us. Mm. And we can, um, yeah, and sit in it and offer it to God. Um yeah. Yeah, it's just been, it's been revolutionary for me. Maybe it shouldn't have taken this long to no. understand, but it is really, it is, it has really changed me. Sometimes I think you have to go through those deep, deep waters to learn those lessons. And just to turn it back on the marriage thing again, mm-hmm. I think being able to turn to God in those moments of trauma and grief rather than to your spouse or to expect all of that to come from your spouse. I think it just, again, it's the reason why so many couples um, part ways after Mm. intense trauma or grief because they've Mm. looked to their spouse and their spouse hasn't Mm. had anything to give them because they're going through the same thing. And, and I think when we can both turn our hearts to God, it it changes the formula in, in, in marriage as well as in life. Anyway, hey, I want to ask you this question because um, I think it's super interesting. You guys come from different cultural backgrounds. I'm curious to know how that has enriched or challenged your marriage. Can you articulate some of those things? Yeah, you know what? Uh, (laughs) How long do you have? (laughs) So if, man, if we were to just hone in on one thing i think i'd probably hone in on the Mm in-laws side of thing side of things where uh i'm korean christina's chinese we're both canadian born uh and while korean chinese and japanese would all be considered east asian and would all be quite similar to one another in some respects like compared to there there'd be more similarities between uh, Koreans, Chinese, and Japanese than with Filipinos Viet- and Vietnamese uh, and Laotians, uh, for example, right? Because those would be Southeast Asian and then we're East Asian. So, And there's different historical influences. Um, so even though there's more similarity than not, uh, there's actually quite a difference in terms of uh, the way the Korean family is really patriarchal. Um, and on the Chinese side, at least on your side, it was a little bit more matriarchal. Oh, very much so. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So even there, it's, it's so interesting. I mean, Korean dramas, uh, we'll make this fun. Korean dramas are super popular, uh, all over the world. And, you know, you got BTS, like Korean K-pop bands that are really popular Uh and there's all of that. And, and if, if anyone, and you can watch them easily on Netflix. And if you were to watch one or two or three Korean dramas, you'd actually notice the same thing. A strained relationship between the mother-in-law and the daughter-in-law. 
And you would honestly, you probably wouldn't catch it the first one, but you would see it over and over and over and over again. Uh, And what uh, we didn't realize was culturally what we were walking into with that dynamic mm -hmm. and that it's so deeply generational and cultural uh, that that was actually a huge source of counseling and work mm. um both for us and you mm-hmm. specifically and then conversations with my mom and everything it's it's so much better now but man it was a constant source of conflict uh for early years of marriage completely i wow. went into even before daniel and i met i always had this dream and desire to be best friends with my mother-in-law because all of the guys that i had dated beforehand i was really really close to their moms and so i figured hey this is what it's going to be like but it'll just be for a lot longer right and then i uh, quickly realized as we were dating that that was not going to be the case mm. and then i turned into mode of oh but i can change this right like i i can be the best daughter-in-law the best so yeah. on and so Enneagram forth fill it in. Right here, right? and i can change your mind like you know and even with the three and the Enneagram, but also the shapeshifter like yes. whatever yeah. you want me to be i can be that sure. and i can do really really well but not understanding that that wasn't what that wasn't the actual issue the issue wasn't with me there was a lot of deep seated um cultural things that i just was not aware of and so when mm-hmm. i finally realized through a lot of counseling that uh, i just need to change my perspective on the relationship that i'm going to have with my mother-in-law and to accept it for it is and that uh, to grow together in the ways that she would allow and that i would allow it became a beautiful mm-hmm. a beautiful relationship not the one that i had envisioned okay. but but not negative in any way yeah. okay i want to ask you a follow-up question it's a tough question how did this affect the two of you Because, you know, when I watch my spouse get along or not get along with my parents, there's this whole cascade of conflicting emotions. Mm -hmm. Love my spouse, love my parents, want her to be happy, want them to be happy. Did you guys have that conflict and what did you do with her? We still have that conflict. (laughs) Yes, yeah. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, there's... We probably don't have time to go into that. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of work. Yeah, we've, we've had to do a lot of work on this. Yes. A lot of fights, a lot of um, makeup, yeah. you know, yeah. times and yeah. just back and forth, back and forth. But yeah, it's been a strained in-law relationship is so difficult. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. I, you know, talked about walking away. I was like, I can't, like, can't walk away with that. Like, can't walk away mm-hmm. from that. And I don't want, and I, I know sometimes that might seem like the easier thing to do, mm-hmm. but it's so much more worth it if you're, if, if you fight through it and you work through it for the long haul, mm-hmm. um, especially as parents age and as kids go through mm-hmm. their different life stages. I mean, having the grandparents around if they're alive, it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, just add so much more richness to the family. Um, yeah. Recognize that it's not always the case, but right. yeah. Well, and I'm saying that we are continuing to have conflict about it. Um, and I, w- I want to say too, conflict isn't a bad thing. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. it's necessary to be able to yeah. grow mm-hmm. and to understand and to yeah. submit those things to God as well. So um, I don't... I, I don't, I don't love conflict, but I don't mind it. Uh, we grow through it. And so the reason why I'm saying that this is a different dynamic for us is because now uh, Daniel's mom is a widow. And mm-hmm. so what does it look like for him being the only son in right. a Korean culture to be able to be there for his mom? Yeah. And what does it mean for us being away? We're not physically mm-hmm. there yeah. to be able to be able to care for the widows and orphans mm-hmm. like God calls us mm-hmm. to do. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it's this different dynamic that we've been working through yeah. and learning through. The mm-hmm. one thing that I wish we had this one tool um, that I've learned from the Gottman Institute that I believe Um, has and will continue to help us is that when we're fighting, there's always a conversation that needed to happen that didn't. Right. And so the sentence that has really helped me hone into this is I feel, and then blank. So what is the emotion about, and then you fill in that, 
I need, and you fill that in. And it would be not like, I need you to stop being a jerk, like a positive, a positive thing. So Mm -hmm. for example, when we were going through all of this stuff, um, I was talking to Daniel and what I really was feeling was lonely. I was Mm -hmm. feeling lonely because Mm -hmm. rightly so he was with his mom figuring out all of the stuff to be able to help her live on her own. And so he was spending 10, 12 hour days. I would say hi to him in the morning and I would say good night. And there is, you know, for weeks on end where I wasn't seeing him and that's not something normal for us. Right. Especially during pandemic time. Mm -hmm. And so I, and so I was saying all of these different things about like, what if this, what if it's always going to be like that? But really Mm -hmm. the underlying emotion and the underlying conversation that we should have had, that we didn't was, I'm feeling lonely about um, not spending time with you. I need one hour a day just to be able to talk about how we are doing. Yeah. That that would have set up a beautiful conversation instead of a huge, long, spiraling discussion where we did get to that point where I need need time with you as well. But there was a lot of tears and a lot more words (laughs) to get to that Uh, point. That's wise. So important. And and I I 100% agree with you on the conflict on this piece. There will be conflict. We don't come from different cultural backgrounds, but... The in-law conflict is always going to be part of most people's story, at least some mm-hmm. some figuring that relationship out. Yeah. And I think the conflict piece is important because at least you're you're talking about it honestly. I think for the first 10 years of our marriage, mm. I just tried to suck it up, sweetheart. And yeah. and I think instead a resentment kind of grew inside of me. And it wasn't anything my mother-in-law had done. It was like you say, it was my sort of insecurities and my my stuff. But I didn't allow it to come to the surface, and so we couldn't deal with it. So mm. the fact that you have had conflict and will have conflict about it is pretty natural and actually pretty healthy. I, I think what you shared is so powerful for everybody listening. We hear a lot of in-law stories. We do. Way and, more than I thought. And you've talked about working it out, and that's a great phrase you passed on from the Gottmans. So great stuff. Mm. Hey, w- one more angle, one more layer. So there's this cultural thing. Ministry. Now, I realize not everybody listening is um, in vocational ministry with a church or a parachurch ministry, but a lot of you are part of churches, so maybe this will give you insight into your <laughs> staffs, <laughs> how you can support the staff. <laughs> what are the extra layers that you contend with as a couple in vocational ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um... That's a really good question because for both Christina and I, uh, if we talk about StrengthsFinder on on the one hand, I mean she's she has woo, which is winning others over, uh, and she is restorative, which uh, is great at fixing. And for me, I'm a developer, so all of a sudden, you know, I my developer is really focused in on people, and now we have this congregation that we're developing and it's God's work, right? I mean, it's kingdom work and there's all this side where for both of us, we're like, yeah, we want to give, we want to serve, we want to help, we want to be there. We want to help, um, particularly in our church family, marriages and families be strong and healthy. We want to do that. Um, but what we've realized is, man, we, we got to make sure that we're, we're, we're living what we're preaching, mm-hmm. right? And that we are sufficiently creating boundaries and having regular check-ins about, okay, are the boundaries that we've set during these, because in ministry there's seasons Mm -hmm. and there's intense seasons and there's more relaxed ones. And I don't believe we should ever crawl into vacation. We need to have Mm -hmm. healthy daily rhythms, weekly rhythms, monthly rhythms, you know, annual rhythms so that when you take vacation, yeah, it is that extra measure of, Oh, great but you're not, you haven't burnt the candle at both ends mm-hmm. and you're just, com- you're just crawling into vacation and you're completely burnt out and, and you come back and it doesn't even feel like you've had a vacation and a, a restful mm-hmm. time, right? There's a major imbalance in your life if that's how you view vacation. So for us, it's a regular daily, weekly check-ins for us as a couple to be like, okay, how is the rhythm going? Mm-hmm. How, how does our week look like? Um, so that we are actively investing into our marriage and our families. Um, yeah. Because, yeah, we are kind of, we have a broader family now. 
and mm-hmm. the the demands of ministry will never end. Mm-hmm. So yeah, what what does that long view look like? Yeah, and I think one of the ways that we really have invested into our family and our relationship is by taking a weekly Sabbath. Mm-hmm. And so one day a week, we are completely disconnected. Yeah. No um, social media, no, no, text, no text messaging, exactly. nothing. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so usually part of the day is just, uh, thankfully, our kids are old enough they can babysit themselves now. Mm-hmm. And so we... Um, go on a date mm-hmm. uh, for one part of the day. And then the next part of the day, uh, usually the afternoon is family time. And both times that we're doing like what fills us, mm-hmm. not what drains us. And so that has been really, really life giving mm-hmm. um, to us. Another part of that is uh, like I was telling before, we just went through a really hard season. And mm-hmm. so, yes, we have a podcast. Yes, we do all this stuff, but really feeling like um, especially me, like I just needed to lay that all down. So we took three months off mm-hmm. the podcast. We took time off social media, like two months off social media mm-hmm. where we weren't posting anything. I just didn't have the energy to do it. And all of the experts, I'm saying that in quotes, tell you, you can't do it. You, you shouldn't do that. Your, your numbers will tank all of this stuff and just really like clinging to God and be like, mm-hmm. I, it doesn't matter what the experts say, you know, if we're not investing to our marriage, if we're not investing to our relationship with God, we're going to have nothing to talk about anyways. (laughs) So it's one of those of just continuing to surrender and what uh, God has called us to do and to steward that well. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think Mm -hmm. a couple of the layers Mm -hmm. we've observed too. I think it's easy when you are doing kingdom work, when you are doing God's work, Um, sometimes it gets very confusing when it's, uh, time away from the family or it's easy for the, the partner, the non-ministry partner to feel like, well, you're, you're working all the time and it's easy for the partner who's in ministry. Well, I'm, I'm working Mm -hmm. for God. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Gets very convoluted. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes in, in terms of our priorities, they, it's easy to get those Mm -hmm. mixed up. And then I also think it's, you know, I guess what we hear ministry couples telling us is that it's sometimes hard to be really authentic about your relationship right? and knowing mm-hmm. what's appropriate to share, like how much authenticity is, mm. is helpful instead of TMI. And mm-hmm. do you guys wrestle with that at all? <laughs> yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Times where, you know, you've just had a major fight and, oh, an event at the church is happening that I got to go and <laughs> lead and <laughs> like literally wrestling with that mm-hmm. and being like, okay, yeah, what do I share? What do I not mm-hmm. share? So, mm-hmm. um, you know, thankfully, I, you know, with with what you were saying, I love I love that quote about, hey, every, what did you say? Every fight, um, there was a, con- a conversation that should have, that should have happened. Yeah. yeah. So early on in our marriage, um, in our first two years of both marriage and ministry, there were lots of conversations <laughs> that hadn't been had. <laughs> so I'm I'm grateful that as we've now been journeying together, married for 15 years and in ministry for 15, uh, yeah, that that lots of those conversations have happened. Mm-hmm. But it's because we're constantly carving out space for those conversations to happen. Yeah, yeah, good for, for sure. you. So much health. So much health, and I, I oh, can only yeah. imagine how hard fought it has been. But there's yeah. so much health in in what you're talking about and how you live your lives. Thanks for being so generous with your story, uh, people. If you have enjoyed this, man, there's plenty more where that came from. In between podcasts, check it out where you get all your podcasts. I imagine we can access your book titles through Amazon or some kind of um, provider yeah. like that. Yeah, and that's right. Bless you guys. I love the title of your book, Daniel. You are what you do and six other lies about work, life, and love. Um, We haven't read it yet, but we're going to. Sounds like (laughs) a great book. Thank you so much. much, you guys. And wherever you're listening, on behalf of Daniel, Christina, me, and Cheryl, we want the best for you, Mm -hmm. your marriage, your family. Uh, Seek out some of these great resources. Uh, You can check out more at familylifecanada.com. Fortunately, there's many people across this country who care about strengthening marriages. So check it out. Uh, Don't walk this journey alone. Let's get strong. Let's bless our families. Let's bless generations. And uh, thanks for listening. Mm -hmm. Really appreciate it. Bye for now.